You're listening to the Redeemer London podcast. For more information, visit our website at redeemerlondon.org. Great. Good morning, everyone. Thank you so much for having us. Yeah, so my name is Sam, uh, part of Redeemer here, uh, married to beautiful, wonderful Anna, mother of my children. Um, it's a real privilege to speak this morning. Um, I'll hand over to Anna in a minute, but I'll just give a brief introduction to what we're going to be talking about. Today is Mother's Day. And typically on Mother's Day, then we'll do a sermon that's kind of focused around motherhood and how to be a better mother. But really, Mother's Day is about mothers getting the chance to relax, be the queen for a day. And so we thought we won't preach to mums. We'll preach to kind of anyone who knows a mum. So if you know a mum, if you wouldn't mind, just stick your hand in the air so I know who I'm talking to this morning. Oh, great, everyone. So... Motherhood, we've seen this morning, and some of the words that have come out, Peggy's in particular, is basically she's preached our sermon for us, and so um, it's good to know that we're on God's agenda. Um, I'm a dad, which is very similar to being a mum, although it has differences. Um, We've got two kids, and our eldest kid, one time, then we were visiting another church on a Sunday morning, and when it came to the end of the service, um, he'd kind of run off and was playing around. And after a couple of minutes, I just looked and I couldn't see him. And Anna said, do you know where Ollie is? And I went and asked somebody and they said, oh, he was there a moment ago, but he wasn't there. I looked around and I couldn't find him. And somebody just outside the door went, oh, is it that kid? And as I ran out the door, I saw him running towards a street, literally almost about to run into the road. And so, you know, I shouted, Ollie, no, stop, and ran after him, grabbed hold of him. And... When we were driving back in the car, I mean, I turned to Anna and we were just talking about it. And I just couldn't stop myself from crying. Because there's something about losing a child that has just got such a deep emotional link. And really a sense of a failure as a parent. That, you know, I should have been, I should have been watching him. I, I could have kept watching him all that time and I didn't. It's very encouraging, therefore, to know that the most famous mum in the whole history of Christianity, Jesus' mum, Mary, went through exactly the same scenario as I did, but hers was far worse. So we're going to read out from Luke chapter 2, beginning at verse 41, just this story of where Mary went through a really similar scenario to the one that we went through. Um, And hopefully from this, we're going to be able to pick out some ideas of how we can really serve mums in the great honor that it is to be a mum, but the great challenge it is as well. So we go Luke chapter 2, verse 41. Now his parents, so that's Joseph and Mary, went to Jerusalem every year at the feast of the Passover. And when he was 12 years old, they went up according to custom. And when the feast was ended, as they were returning, the boy Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem. His parents did not know it, but supposing him to be in the group, they went a day's journey. But then they began to search for him among their relatives and acquaintances. And when they did not find him, they returned to Jerusalem searching for him. So you can imagine the scene. They've gone out, you know, big group of them, probably larger than this group here. We often on a Sunday morning will arrive and Ollie will be off playing and you'll lose sight of him for a bit. But you think, you know, the kids are around, people looking out for him. They'd gone for a day and only then realized he's not here. After three days, they found him in the temple, sitting among the teachers, 
listening to them and asking them questions. And all who heard him were amazed at his understanding as his answers. And when his parents saw him, they were astonished. And his mother said to him, Son, why have you treated us so? Behold, your father and I have been searching for you in great distress. Can you imagine losing a kid for three days? And he said to them, Why were you looking for me? Did you not know that I must be in my father's house? And they did not understand the saying that he spoke to them. I'll hand over to Anna. So, parenting is amazing, and children are a gift from God, and they bring much joy and fun times to our lives. But with a truly great gift comes great responsibility. Good times, but some hard times too. And the thing is, bad stuff happens when parenting. It's only natural. And even Mary, who was called by God to be a mum, even she had testing times. Bad stuff happens in parenting, in being a mum, for two reasons. Number one, bad stuff happens because no mum is perfect. Being a mum is so rewarding and it can be very fulfilling. But it's tiring, it's testing. Sometimes we crack. We can't stay calm and strong and hold it together all the time, even though we try so hard and try to put on the face. But sometimes we feel overwhelmed by the responsibility, and sometimes we simply struggle with knowing, just knowing, what the best thing is to do. No mum is perfect. Bad stuff happens because, number two, children are unpredictable. So one minute, my two-year-old son, Ollie, he's crying because Daddy didn't eat all of his tea, because he was still full from lunch. But Ollie thought he was crying because Daddy didn't like his tea. And then one minute, my son is singing happily in the trolley as we go around the supermarket. And the next minute, he's throwing a full-on tantrum, a wobbly at the checkout. And I'm trying to keep smiling (laughs) while trying not to look too embarrassed. I'm avoiding looking at anyone in the face right now. So bad stuff happens because no mum is perfect and children are lovely, but they are unpredictable. And the thing is, it's actually not just a challenge for the mum when bad stuff happens, but it's also a challenge for the people looking on. Maybe the family, the friends, the strangers, the church family. It can be tempting to give advice. It can be tempting to give advice. And your thoughts and feelings on how that child should be parented and how that mum should be responding. Ultimately, it's tempting to judge that mum. But Matthew 7 verse 1 says, Do not judge, or you too will be judged. Do not condemn, and you will not be condemned. Forgive, and you will be forgiven. It's part of our human nature to want to help solve problems, to to try and help others in their time of need. But the advice we give Maybe that comment of judgment never actually helps to solve the situation. It never makes the best of that situation. Often it's just the wrong response or it doesn't actually help the mum. My son has had eczema since he was about four months old. It's quite visible on his face, so I have had quite a few comments about it. One stranger once said to me, That boy needs chamomile. You can get it from that pharmacy. You need to go right now. That comment, as well as a few others, have really not helped us. 
It didn't help Ben's condition, and it didn't help my confidence as a mum. It made me feel like I wasn't a good mum to Ben, and it made me think, it reinforced a feeling that I didn't know what I was doing. If a mum wants your advice, she will ask for it, and we do, I promise. Over to Sam. So there is a real challenge, isn't there? How tempting is it when a mum is telling you a problem and then your immediate reaction is to go, oh, well, you know what you should do, blah, blah, blah. This is how to do it. You're not sleeping through the night. Oh, you should rub his tummy. The good news is that there is a solution. And the solution is turn the conversation around. Now, I don't know if you've ever studied the science of conversation. I know that some of you will have. Um, but it, it's quite interesting. If you listen into a conversation but don't listen to the words, just listen to how the people are interacting out of that kind of meta layer. It's quite interesting. Um, Adam, I wonder if I could just borrow you for a moment. Could you just hold your... So um, Adam and I are in a conversation. Uh, this uh, space in front of Adam here where his arms are uh, signifies what he's talking about. And then this is what I'm talking about. Now, we have an imagination of what a conversation looks like. It looks something like this. Sorry, Adam. <laughs> so the, the topic that we're talking about, we imagine that it's the same thing, that we're including one another in what we're talking about, that um, you know, we, we're having a conversation about the rugby yesterday, and we're both talking about exactly the same thing. Adam and I are interacting. With, you know, the topic is shared between us, um, and you know, it's quite a pleasant experience, much like this. <laughs> but th actually, conversations don't quite happen exactly like this. They're slightly different, but I'm just going to stay here a moment longer. <laughs> um, conversations actually look more like this. So th there is a little bit of crossover. We do have something in common in our conversation, but actually, when Adam is talking about whatever he's talking about, then in my mind, I've got all kinds of thoughts racing all over the place, and I listen to what he's saying, and then I come up with, oh, my idea, which is much more interesting, and maybe I'll interrupt him. And if, if I don't interrupt, I might be polite enough to kind of wait until he's finished and then launch in with my idea. Thanks very much. Um, and the challenge is that when we're talking to mums, this is exactly what happens, that they are talking about something, trying to express that they're having a challenge, and we want to come in just giving, oh, well, this is my perspective on it, and you should be listening to me. Hopefully, I'm going to give us three really practical things that we can do in a conversation that will help with this. And the first one is simply close your mouth. Proverbs 13, verse 3 says, Whoever guards his mouth preserves his life. He who opens wide his lips comes to ruin. I think that a lot of us could learn just to be quiet a little bit more. Actually, if somebody's talking about something, just the ability to stop talking, to stop trying to put in our views and put in you know, what we're thinking about it, it really helps the conversation because it means that the topic can stay with whatever that mum is trying to talk about. And it's not our own view on it. We can actually just allow her to talk. So that's step one, close your mouth. Step two, obviously, if you are just sitting there with your mouth closed, it's not a conversation, that's a monologue. So there is actually a, a kind of second step, what conversation looks like. And the second step is listen. Now, listen often seems like quite a passive thing. We've got a saying at work that listening is a contact sport, that actually it's an, an active thing. It requires you to perform actions in order to listen well. Proverbs 18, verse 13 says, If one gives an answer before he hears, it is his folly and shame. 
And James chapter 1 and verse 19 says, Know this, my beloved brothers, let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak. What this means in real life terms is to be present with somebody. That when you're in a conversation, that your mind isn't drifting off all over the place thinking about what you'd like to say next. But you're actually listening, focusing on what that person is saying. Just simple things, you know, keeping eye contact, just actually focusing on what they're saying and listening to it and understanding it. But there are practical things that you can do as well, which are to clarify and to talk reflectively. So the clarifying bit is to ask questions. So if somebody says something, then to dig in a little bit deeper and just say, okay, what do you mean by that? Or, oh, okay, that sounds really tough. What, what's that like? It just opens up the ability for that, the topic of the conversation to stick with what that person wants, but to take it a little bit deeper. And to talk reflectively, to summarize back what's just been said in a way, not like kind of a forced way, but just a, a natural, okay, so it's like this, is it? Yeah, it actually validates the fact that you've been understand that you've been listening to them and understanding. So close your mouth, listen, and third, come up with an alternative to advising. And it's very simple. The alternative to advising is asking. Any time that you're in a conversation with a mum and you think that you're about to start a sentence with the words, you know what you should do? You should have an alarm bell going off in your mind. This is not the right thing to say. There are almost no situations where that is an appropriate way to continue a conversation. It's not helpful. If you ever think that that's what you're about to say, replace whatever it is with four simple words. How can I help? Because then it changes the whole thing around from me giving you advice to me offering myself up to you to see how, how can we actually improve it. I'll hand back to Anna. So, the impact of try, um, turning the conversation around, using something that could have been negative, but turning it into a, com a positive conversation, is that, number one, it honors the mum. It's good to honor the mum. It's good to, for mums to feel the affirmation from others of her being a good mum. A good response lifts a mum. Proverbs 16, verse 24 says, Kind words are like honey, sweet to the soul and healthy for the body. I was coming out of the doctors, I'm often in the doctors, um, with my boys the other day, and the lady literally just looked at us and said, you have two lovely boys. <laughs> and I just said, thank you. <laughs> and I walked away and it lifted me and it helped my day. Honor the mum says that your knowledge means nothing compared to the love of that unique parent-child relationship and that respect will build up that family. So going back to Ben's eczema, there has been one uh, professional who has really helped me with Ben's skin. She was the person I went to to ask for help. She asked me questions about Ben, questions that only I could answer because I was the respected mum. That professional trusted that I was Ben's be best asset. She honoured me as Ben's mum, and this gave me confidence. This was encouraging, helpful, and it was also practical for me and Ben too. She never made a judgment about me, but asked how she could help us. And I don't know, you might have noticed that Ben's skin is loads better. So, as, as well as lots of prayer from lots of people, and I do appreciate it. This leads me on well into the second part of 
the positive conversation, the impact that it has, which is that it can be a practical solution to not just good words. So the impact of asking how you can help can be a practical solution. Action shows that you do care and that you really want to help. You could offer so many things. I will start. <laughs> Babysitting, <laughs> cooking a meal for a mum, spending time with them as a family and actually relating to them as a family. And it can be quite lonely being a mum sometimes. Looking after the kids so that the parents could go to community group or a prayer meeting together. It rarely happens. Offer to help one of the kids with their homework. Buy the mum a new worship CD so that she can enjoy a new treat. Can I say that? <laughs> Offer to do a load of washing. Clean their bathroom. My examples are pretty boring. But go over and above to bless mums. Be creative. If you have free time in the day because you work shifts or you work evenings or you're a student... I had lots of time as a student, and I really enjoyed spending time with families, and it blessed them, it blessed me to be around families and learn more from them as well. Yeah, so bless a mum. Countless people have been a blessing to our family. When we've been ill, a, f a friend just rang me up and said, can I drop you around a meal? I was like, yes. When Sam was away for a couple of nights, a, friend, a church friend helped me with the boys bathing and bathing at bedtime. I was ill. A friend had a morning meeting in Hammersmith. She rushed back to take the kids off me so that I could go to the doctors without them and Sam could go to work. What a blessing. And we had only just rung her before that meeting on that morning. It was a big ask. So many times people in church have helped look after our kids for us so that we can benefit in serving the church. Church, you have blessed us. But let's not keep the practical blessings to friends in the church but also hand it out to our neighbours, our unchurched friends, and our colleagues at work. So be generous to all mums by offering a practical solution. So by the way, mums, just a few things for you to think about. Be happy to accept help from others, and let others serve you too. Be thankful and joyful. Don't think that your kids would be a burden to others. I bet they are a blessing. Number two, it's wise to accept help. Don't be proud, but learn from others. Proverbs 13 verse 10 says, Pride leads to conflict, but those who take advice are wise. It also says, Pride leads to disgrace, but with humility comes wisdom. Proverbs 11 verse 2. Tell Jesus what you need. 1 Peter 5 verse 7 says, Give all your worries and cares to God, for he cares about you. Ask him for his guidance, and he will give it to you. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. Philippians 4 verse 6. Okay, so receive negative comments like water off a duck's back. Don't let them sink in. Don't make them be bigger than they're, they're tiny. They don't have an impact on you. Don't let them let yourself grow bitter or angry but trust in the promises of the Bible of how God sees you as his beloved child. And finally, trust that God loves you and he has given you everything you need to be a good mother to your child, the gift that he gave you that he entrusted you with.
Great. So we've heard that there is a challenge that mums go through tough times and that it's very tempting for us to give them advice, but there are ways that we can just practically engage in a good conversation and offer help that really honors a mum, but it actually offers a real solution to it rather than a useless piece of advice, which uh, doesn't help at all. And we've been talking about mums this morning, but there are bigger problems, aren't there, actually? And we all face tough times in our lives. It's not just mums that have that. In God's perfect timing, this week is the week that I found the 90% certain I'm being made redundant, which is a bit of a shock. came as a little bit of a kind of curveball. wasn't expecting that one. And I'm sure there are people in this room who are going through tough times or have gone through tough times in the past. And maybe the examples we've given this morning you think are trivial in comparison to yours. Or maybe you think that they're really significant and your life seems trivial. Neither of those is true. All of our problems are genuine problems and they're ones that we need to acknowledge are actually there. But there is a deeper solution to every problem. And his name is Jesus. See, Mary lost Jesus a second time. The first time she searched for him for three days. The second time we read John chapter 19 verse 25. Standing by the cross of Jesus were his mother and his mother's sister, Mary the wife of Clopas and Mary Magdalene. When he was 12, Mary spent three days searching for her son. When he was in his 30s, she spent three days mourning for the death of her son. But the truth is that when Jesus died on the cross, we call that day Good Friday. It's good news because every problem that we face, every single one, ends at the cross. The by faith in him, then we're told that we're united in Christ and that we get to become children of God ourselves. John chapter 1 and verse 12 says, To all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. That's us. As Mary, the mother of Jesus, looked up and saw her son dying on the cross, filled with, surely, sadness, confusion, the father of Jesus looked down at him, acknowledging the work is finished. In this act, all of my children will be coming into my family. And every one of our problems is ended at the cross And the solution comes three days later through his resurrection. And through that, every problem that we have is redeemed into something better. And we will live in that forever. The great news about Mother's Day, and it's been talked about this morning a lot, is that mothers uniquely reveal to us the Father heart of God, that he accepts us as we are. But more than that, He cleans up everything that's wrong with us and allows us to stand before him clothed in the righteousness of Christ that we are genuinely restored and redeemed, made new and whole and perfect for his glory and our good. He's a great father to us. Hallelujah.